Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Bringing GRC into the ESG aspect is really, really important because we know how to do it. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slasher, and today we have with us Julian Hun, one of our GRCI directors. Hi, Julian. How are you doing? I'm, I'm well, thank you. yourself? Ah, not too bad. So we're having a bit of a chat because as many of our listeners and members would know, we have our conference coming up at the end of the year. And in some ways, we're trying to sort of preempt some of the conversations that we might be having on that day. And prior to this recording, we, we talked about ESG, um, environmental, social and governmental being this critical issue, something that's a growing currency in, in business conversations in general, and even in the media. So I thought we should start with a bit of definitions and terms because I think it's at risk of becoming a bit of a buzzword or buzz acronym. Uh, what What is ESG, uh, particularly from a GRC context? Look, you are you are right, Rami. Um, it's used um, it's used interchangeably, um, <clears throat> and there's there's multiple definitions out there as you can appreciate. ESG is a very very broad area. Um, so, look in very simple terms, it's obviously environmental, social, and governance. And when you talk about you know what is the GRC context, I think it's actually really really valid now, more so than we've seen over the last few years, because as ESG becomes more more mature, um, obviously the expectation out there that you know we're all good corporate citizens, um, companies' behaviour, ethics, um, you know, acting responsibility, etc. A lot of that goes back to GRC around governance, risk and compliance. So there's definitely a nexus. There's definitely a um, there's definitely a connection in terms of what is that connection? How does that look in terms of being tangible? That's probably the difficult that's probably the difficult question because many people will have different um, different views, um, and those views could could differ according to the um, the industry you're involved in, obviously the complexity of your business. If you have overseas businesses, um, overseas subsidiaries, etc. But I think to answer your question, there's definitely a convergence between the two, and there's there's overlap and there's somewhat of a nexus, uh, definitely with the um, social aspect and certainly with the governance. Not so much with the environmental, but there's a very good connection and a very uh, certainly a convergence, a strong convergence between the SG and GRC. So why is ESG or maybe just the SG, why is it becoming more topical, um, both in the business conversations and the media? It's becoming more topical and and I think it's on the back of obviously acting, you know, in terms of climate control, and, you know, environmental issues, climate change, you know, all of this stuff. And, and obviously um, investors and I suppose the general public, you know, wanting to do the right thing. It's it's been around for a year. It's been around for quite a few years, but obviously we're getting a lot lot more momentum now in terms of what, what is it all about? How how can we how can we do the right thing by the um, by the economy by the um, environment? So when you start to drill into those areas, and you know we obviously look at environmentals being climate change and pollution, etc. The social and the governance. So the social aspects really goes into. I suppose you want to go into some detail. It looks at you know aspects of supply chain management, responsible lending, um, you know standards, both employment standards, stakeholder standards, native titles, etc., consumer protection, data protection. So a lot of those areas around the social definitely link back to GRC around the risk management, around the governance. 
and around compliance. I mean, obviously, many of those different components of the social theme definitely have a compliance angle. And then you move into governance. Now, obviously, the governance we share with it, uh, both GRC and um, ESG, and the governance has a direct linkage around ethics and culture, um, and probably probably more so around risk and compliance frameworks. Then if you bring the two together, and as I mentioned earlier around the supply chain management, we're obviously seeing quite a lot of laws and regulations and um, quite a lot of media attention around things like slavery, modern slavery, child exploitation, bribery and corruption. Now, there are obviously aspects of compliance and around governance around GRC, but they're also embedded within, within the ESG um, areas. So as a result, you can, you can definitely see a convergence between the two around the policies, around the risk management, um, you know, around the frameworks. So as we as we become more, I suppose, more, more mindful of the social governance aspects, you'll start to identify the linkages between the GRC. And um, look, I've had some direct exposure with this with a couple of organisations I've worked with. Obviously, if you're in the top 200 um, ASX, you know, the expectation is you obviously have governance requirements. You obviously need to to um, look at ethics and companies' behaviour. And all of this comes down to, you know, some of the areas I've talked about, which is around risk compliance, supply chain management. And many of those areas do cover slavery and bribery and corruption. So really, from a GRC perspective, and obviously GRC practitioners, you know, their bread and butter, things like risk, uh, risk assessments, risk management, they clearly overlap into the ESG area. So certainly what I found in, in terms of both consulting, but also working full time in various organisations, not so much financials in terms of banks, yeah. you, you, you'll find the lawyers or the sustainability teams will, will cover and oversee much of this areas, many of these areas. But uh, the GRC practitioners obviously know how to do the work. So, so they actually, they actually op- operationalise much of the social governance as opposed to theory. And a very good example would be, well, you know, with the slavery and with bribery and corruption and certain economic sanctions, you're supposed to obviously perform some sort of risk assessment to identify where those risks sit. Now, now from my experience, um, you know, many of the lawyers, many of the practitioners and sustainability um, bodies don't really have that skill set. So that's when they call on the obviously the GRC practitioners to obviously look at those frameworks, look at those policies, those procedures, perform those risk assessments. So I think as we as we grow and as we become more mature in this area, you'll definitely see a, um, a more, I suppose, closer links between the two areas. Right, sure. Well, uh, you talk about the convergences, and you, I guess you also mentioned a bit there about this this growing maturity and this development. But do you think that because of these convergences and these linkages with GRC, that there maybe entities or even regulators are developing better understanding of it, or is this sort of like a blunt tool that everyone's using in terms of tackling it? Look, I think it's a bit of both. Um, even though aspects of ESG have been around for a very long time, um, I, as I say, I think we're only just really understanding it. And I wouldn't argue that's from a government perspective. I mean, maybe some aspects around slavery, et cetera, but I'd say it's probably more around the consumer. Yeah. Obviously, the consumer is becoming more aware of these, you know, of these areas and they want to do the right thing. So I think the consumers and the NGOs out there, the non-government organisations are pushing this forward. So ESG, I mean, as you can appreciate now around ESG, it is a, I mean, even though it is a, it's a word or it's a term that's thrown around quite loosely, 
if you look at superannuation, if you look at funds in Australia, um, you know, so certainly the largest fund managers out there, and even the even the even the small ones, they're, they're looking at ESG in a lot more detail. So um, as a result of that, they're using ESG screening techniques. So obviously they're looking at companies, and they're looking at the um, you know the environmental aspects, they're looking at the slavery, looking at the bribery, corruption, they're looking at the pollution, and they're looking at governance. So whilst obviously the governments and the rules and regulations are, are driving this, I think a lot of it goes back to the consumer. Yeah. I think the consumer is really pushing it. And as a result, I think, um, you know, a lot of stakeholders out there, including the government to some extent, are obviously having to, um, I suppose, um, you know, consider those um, those thoughts and those uh, and repercussions and obviously think about how they're going to manage it and actually monitor it. And ESG screening, um, you know, it's it's out there. We're seeing a lot of ETFs being designed and developed now specifically for um, ESG screening. So it's it's more than just, a, you know, a temporary thing. I think it's 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 a start of a of a much longer um, theme, I believe. Well, I guess apart from maybe those issues that are being driven by a consumer awareness, um, is there anything else that you see that might be coming on the horizon that businesses may be either not equipped to deal with, or is there any maybe anything Australian specific again on the horizon that we're not quite ready for? Um, yes and no. I'd probably be, certainly from my experience and what I've seen, there's a lot out there. And we have to be mindful that we don't do too much too quickly because then it would obviously lose that, um, you know, I suppose lose the initial attention, which is trying to do the right thing and obviously have corporate, you know, corporate social responsibility and corporate governance and transparency. And there's a lot going on out there, you know, in the regulatory environment. So I, I think we've still got a way to go. Obviously, many organisations out there, especially the more, uh, you know, especially the large organisations that are listed, they're very conscious and are very aware of what they need to do. I think the argument is, are they ticking the box or are they actually taking it seriously? And certainly from my experience in the research that's been performed around modern slavery, I think it's fair to say that many organisations globally, certainly here in Australia and, and in the UK, are, are still ticking a box. You know, they're, they're still not they're still not quite there yet, and they still don't actually truly understand the value and the, you know, I suppose, the competitive advantage it may give them. So whilst there's a lot more to do, I'd be hesitant trying to do too much too quickly, because if you look at the ESG area and the theme, it is such a broad area, you know, just environmental is going to have probably a good 15, 20 aspects within it. Then you've got the social, then you've got the governance. There's a lot going on out there. So I think I think we're in a pretty good space where we are in terms of awareness, but I think we've got a long way to go. And, you know, supply chain management is a, is a really good one. And that's where most of our, I suppose, focus in terms of compliance professionals is really going at this point around supply chain management, which obviously brings in sanctions, brings in ABC, brings in brings in slavery. Um, so I think we're in a good space. I think, but however, in saying that, I think we've got a long way to go. But, but we need to be careful we don't try to do too much too soon. And keeping in mind, it will be consumer-led as opposed to government-led. That's that, that, that's personally what I believe. Uh, you mentioned sanctions there, and I just thought that was interesting for this next question. I was going to ask you because, of course, the, the trick of sanctions is always where's the sources of information that you're getting and all the different sources you have to go to. So dealing with ESG, and I think we already acknowledge it's quite a broad topic, deals with many different things. Are there any particular key sources that um, GRC professionals can go to for information uh, to help their organizations? 
Oh, look, there's, there's a lot of sources out there. And um, I mean, as you know, Kwame, I mean, my, my background and my passion is financial crime. So, you know, if you look at bribery and corruption, we all know that Transparency International has an index. I'm not saying that index is effective, but if you're looking at bribery and corruption, there's a lot of information around there, uh, around jurisdictional risk. You know, if you look at modern slavery, obviously there's a lot of stuff out there as well. So this this kind of goes back to my point earlier around being compliance professionals and being practitioners is that many of us actually have an understanding of where these sources are, and many of us know how to apply the resources accordingly, be it risk assessments, be it jurisdictional risk, be it third party risk assessments. So um, so I think for GRC practitioners, we're actually in a pretty pretty good spot at the moment, sweet spot. There's still a lot more to do, but this is this is kind of my point in that. Bringing GRC into the ESG aspect is really, really important because we know how to do it. Many of us, you know, this is our bread and butter. And you know, the example I used earlier, I've seen this in two or three organisations where they have um, sustainability teams and lawyers drafting these statements and, you know, doing slavery statements and probing and corruption policies and procedures and monitoring. But that's 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 what we do. That's our bread and butter. So it's really important that they bring GRC professionals within the ESG area because there is a nexus. And as I say earlier, they're becoming closer, I suppose becoming more closely aligned. And if you really want to show effectiveness and demonstrate that you've taken this seriously, you do need to demonstrate some sort of tangible benefit. And those tangible benefits are things like risk assessments, policies, procedures, governance, et cetera. Yeah, sure. Well, I know you've been doing this throughout the the entire discussion, but we've come to the last question. And as usual, I like to get a bit of words of wisdom or advice from interviewees. So do you have any words of wisdom or some advice for members who might be listening to this who are just trying to get their head around ESG? I think the last point absolutely is the most important point. You will be surprised at the disconnect between the ESG teams and be sustainability, whoever whoever oversees ESG. In, in my experience, if it's a large organisation, you have the lawyers and you have the sustainability team working together. The lawyers are there to write policies and procedures to support the ESG and obviously sustainability is looking at supply chains and obviously all the good stuff. What they're missing, again, this is my personal experience, is actually implementing it and executing it. That's where the gap is. So for many GRC practitioners out there, Certainly, if you're working for large organisations, you should definitely tap in into, into the ESG theme and understand who's doing it, because um, there is definitely overlap. But more importantly, many of us know how to actually do it. It's all well and good writing a policy or procedure, but actually, how do you ex- how do you execute that policy and procedure? How do you write a risk assessment? So I think that I think the key point from this conversation or this podcast, Kwame, would be. Um, yeah, GRC practitioners should be more heavily involved in ESG themes and um, and policies and procedures through the organisation. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Julian. Thank you, Kwame. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.